if I read Exodus as being a story of Moses and his exploits and the great thing, I'll miss it. I have to see that the main character here is God. Welcome to Footnotes, a behind-the-scenes look at what we value and why it matters here at Little Church in Glendora, California. My name is Stephen Coffinrath. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I am your host. Episode number 10. Who would have thought? 10 episodes into Footnotes, and we are back where we started with the one and only Pastor Chris Lewis as our guest. Uh, so just this past weekend, we started a new sermon series on the book of Exodus, which makes me feel like we really ought to try out some jokes that didn't make it into the <laughs> sermon this past Sunday. Um, yes, you're hearing it here. I write all of Chris's jokes. Um, I have for uh, 10, 15 years. Uh, Chris, you ready for these jokes? These are excellent jokes. These so maybe them. you can try, sure they are. try and weigh in here. Okay, so first joke. Uh, who is behind Pharaoh's evil empire? I don't know. Darth Seder. Darth Seder, what? Yeah, you know, no, that doesn't land for you? Okay. No. Uh, which S-E-D-E-R? S-E-D-R. Oh, it's yes. like a Seder meal. Yes. Oh. There you go, there you go. <laughs> which servant of Jehovah was the most flagrant lawbreaker in the Bible? I don't know. Moses, because he broke all Ten Commandments at one time. Which reminds me, I know, that just, that's a thinker. I understand. I'm literally yeah. having to think about these. Like, why are they funny? These aren't, well, they're not hard jokes either. So where is, where is medicine first mentioned in the Bible? Medicine? Medicine. When God gave Moses two tablets. Okay. Thank you for enduring that. I appreciate that. That was the first and last time we'll Stupid. ever do Bible dad jokes on this podcast. In fact, we may cut this whole portion out. Um, but seriously, we're going to be dipping our toes into a bit of theology today. And uh, this isn't necessarily the first time for that. But usually on this podcast, we kind of begin more of a place of the why and the what of Fiddle Church values and culture. So um, we're going to press in a little bit more. And folks listening actually may be surprised uh, to know that there are, in fact, a number of ways to look at theology. So, Chris, fill us in here. How, how are some ways that we study theology? Yeah, there, there's a, there's several ways. Um, I You know, last week's sermon I referenced, kind of Tim Keller has been helpful to me in, in just thinking through um, how to read your Bible. One is across mm. the grain. The other one's along the grain. And the across the grain is really the way th- that's not always a bad thing. It's 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 where we get like say systematic theology. Yeah. Uh, systematic theology is just taking what are the things the Bible talks about, you know, God, man, sin, salvation, all these things, and then let's let's kind of condense that, if you will, or or, or try to understand what is a theology of man, a theology of sin, a theology of salvation. A, th- a theology proper, which is talking about God. Um, so that's one. There is historical theology, which is tracing how theology has developed. Be- because very often what you'll find is that, let's say, when we talk about Christology, this mm. very high view of Christ, much of that, it wasn't that it was developed outside of the Bible and it came along later. It's that it came out of um, controversies, let's say, in mm. the church. And so the church was then, okay, let's let's get into Scripture and really figure out what our Christology is. And so you can see the development historically. Mm. Um, 
practical theology, just understanding how it intersects daily life, things like that. And then, yeah. of course, we have biblical theology. Yeah. And, and biblical theology is simply trying to understand and see the Bible as a, if you will, a story. Yeah. Understanding there is a plot line and there are heroes rather than seeing it as, a, as 66 disjointed books that we kind of just take and interpret them just on their own terms, but seeing them as how the story of redemption unfolds through the Bible. Yeah, biblical theology is kind of what we want to talk about a little bit more today. And just thinking about uh, application a little bit, why, why does biblical theology matter for us as Christians? Well, I, I think, again, mentioned it on Sunday, but I, I think this is the way, if I could say this, that I think Jesus wants us to read our Bibles. Mm. I think he wants us to see that there is a storyline. So when he when he talks in Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus um, with the two disciples, and then again with, with kind of the 12 uh, after he's risen from the dead, um, it says, beginning with you know Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them uh, all the places that, that talked about him mm-hmm. you know, through, through all of the scripture. He did the same thing for his disciples. And so... Um, I, I think we have this, this understanding that Jesus is looking and saying the way to understand, especially your old Testament, it's pretty easy yeah. to go to the new Testament and go, yeah, Jesus is here. Right. I read him the gospels. I, Paul's talking about him all the time, his death. We, the, the mystery has been unraveled in the new Testament. That was, Paul calls it a mystery that in the, the old Testament was more hidden. Mm. So what Jesus is saying, okay, well, I, I want you to see I'm there. So I'm there in Genesis in creation. I'm there when Moses writes about the seed of the of the woman crushing the the seed of the serpent, mm-hmm. uh, Genesis three fifteen. I'm there in Exodus. I'm there in Joshua. Like the name Joshua would have been Jesus's name, right? That's the Hebrew form of of Jesus. It's it's Yeshua. Um, I'm there throughout the prophets. I, he wanted them to see that the major theme of scripture is him yeah. and redemption. Yeah. So I think, I think that's why we want to study it this way. And to me, to me, this is really what's thrilling, honestly, about reading scripture is, is you can get so caught up in Old Testament that you're like, you know, what is going on with all these diseases and laws mm. and, and, you know, the, all the intricate details of the tabernacle and the temple and, and all of this stuff and think, you know, it just feels like it has no bearing on me until you understand that all of this is telling us something about God, something about Jesus, pointing us toward this plan of redemption. Yeah, one of the things that I know we talk about often on staff and just even as elders and such, uh, there's this sense that when we look at Scripture, that Jesus is really this kind of tentpole in the middle of Scripture. Yeah. That there's, um, and even a casual reader of Scripture can tell that you read the Gospels or the Pauline epistles, and mm-hmm. it's, it just feels different because in some ways it's talking about something that's already happened, mm-hmm. and that is the crux of the message of the Bible in yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. As opposed to Exodus and the narrative scriptures we read in the Old Testament, it's really looking forward to what's to come. Yeah. Um, and I, I really think that with this kind of biblical theology like lenses, that's, it's easier to see in that way. Yeah. Another thing to mention too, um, I know you're a big fan of systematics as well. And actually just a side story, um, I remember when, when Gabby and Sam first started dating, yeah. um, I knew that you were, were a fan <laughs> of Sam's because you were kind of like telling me in all seriousness, you weren't like joking around at all. You're like, I, I really think this guy is, is pretty good. And uh, he's, he's a serious 
Finker, and I think I'm going to start walking through through uh, Grudem with him. And I was like, oh gosh, it's serious. <laughs> it just got real. Um, but I mean, systematics as a whole is, is fascinating. In yeah. some ways, it's very clear. And uh, all these kind of ways to look at theology, they're, none of them are at odds with one another. No, um, they no, really no. are layers that need to be kind of nuanced altogether in right. a way. We're going to handle books of the Bible. Um, and part of the, the goal is to really show how that passage is tied to the whole of, of, of canon and right. how it's tied to um, all, all the Bible. So as we think about just Bible reading in general, Chris, maybe just... Um, um, help some of our listeners out. Um, in your opinion, are there certain translations even of scripture? Mm. Um, you know, people, when I was a kid, the NIV was huge. Yeah. It was a big yeah. deal. Yeah. We all kind of switched over to the ESV probably about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about translations for a minute. How does that kind of help the reader see maybe themes of biblical theology more clearly or, or does it at all? Yeah. Uh, well, let me say this. In general, I would say all most translations out there are really good, especially the the really well known ones. Um, you know, from honestly, even the King James version, uh, the the NIV, the the New American Standard Bible, the English Standard Version, the ESV, all those, they all do a really wonderful job of translating the Greek, the Hebrew, um, and helping us understand what we mean. I think. I think. I think when it comes to biblical theology, a couple of things, there's probably not one that's better than another. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're going to want to have a Bible that very often, if it doesn't give you the exact translation of a word, it'll go down and tell you, hey, this is the actual word that was used. So for example, uh, I think it's Luke 9, where, where Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And we're told that Moses and Elijah are with him. That's interesting in itself. You know, one the prophet, one representing the law. Mm. And both would give way to Jesus. And so there's a theology even in there. But it says they were discussing. So Peter's listening in and listening to this discussion happening between these three. And they're discussing, most translations say, his departure. If you look at the, the, the footnote for that word, it'll actually say his exodus. Hmm. So, so there's, there's an example of where having a more little trans, literal translation would help you. John chapter one uh, is going to say, you know, the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt or, or lived among us. Um, again, there probably would be a footnote that down at the bottom would say that word dwelt is actually the word tabernacled. Hmm. Well, that's really significant hmm. because if I, if I know that word tabernacle is this loaded term in scripture, then I, when I'm looking at it, man, I can, I can look and go, oh, okay, this actually relates to, so Jesus is, if you will, the greater tabernacle. Hmm. He is the presence of God walking among us. He, I mean, all the things we could say about the tabernacle looking forward. Jesus sees that. Now, I could say one more thing. Um, I always, I've, I've taught a class on biblical theology, uh, but, but one thing I've, I've said to everybody I've ever, ever taught this is, is, you know, we hand out to parents when we dedicate their children this little book, the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally yeah. Lloyd-Jones. It's a great book. And we always, I always tell everybody, like, you should just get this book because if you want kind of an introduction to biblical theology while you're teaching your kids, that's a great place to start because she, that's exactly what she's doing. She's taking the stories of scripture and helping tie them together and help us understand there is an overarching Mm. narrative and purpose and it all ties together. Yeah. 
That's great. Um, so one of the reasons we're talking about this today is because we are kind of sh- making this shift as a church um, from, yeah, some, some Pauline, we're in Peter for a while. There are some things in the New Testament that we've kind of been in um, the last few years. I mean, Acts mm-hmm. as well. And we're mm-hmm. making this shift to kind of this different genre of scripture, this narrative historical um, passage, uh, passages that we see in Exodus. So let's talk about Exodus for a little bit. Uh, you likely talked about this yesterday a little bit already, but Exodus is the second book of the Bible. Yep. It picks up uh, the story narrative from Genesis with Abraham's grandson, Jacob, yeah. leading his large family down to Egypt. And there's really kind of two parts to Exodus. Uh, there's like one through 18 chapters focusing on um, the namesake of the book when God's people are brought out of Egypt. And then 19 through uh, 40, yeah. um, the Sinai Covenant, right. and, and kind of their time in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And so as we think about those those chapters, maybe even 1 through 18 to start with, mm-hmm. what are some of the big themes in Scripture that we're in for when we uh, kind of hear this in the next few months? Yeah. Boy, there's so many. And I think, um, so you, you start off and you you realize that the you know, there's this covenant that God makes with Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to make you a great nation. Mm. And boom, right off the bat, and in, in you're beginning to see that in spite of the Israelites being in bondage, they, they actually, God is fulfilling his covenant with them. He's making them to a great people. So there's these covenant promises that yeah. start to come into play. Um, and he does it in, you know, some unique ways. I, I think there's a couple of massive themes you're going to see God as the God who comes to the aid of the ordinary downtrodden people and will move heaven and earth to save them. Mm. You're going to see God as the God who really, in fact, there's a book written out there that has this subtitle about Exodus, the God who makes himself known. Mm. That is a great, uh, uh, I guess, capsule idea for the entirety of the book. In fact, when you get to the end of chapter two, uh, there's this great, this wonderful uh, passage where where um, it says that that uh, the the cry for Israel for rescue came up to God. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, mm. with Isaac and Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. Mm. And so you, you've got this, like there's a, there's this, it's almost feels like God's distant in the first part of, of chapter one and into chapter two. And then God's like, man, it's now time. Mm-hmm. One translation actually says he knew it was time to act. Like when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Like here it is, the fullness is coming and I'm now going to go and deliver. And then what you have from that point on is not just the God who knew, but the God who now makes himself known. Boom, the burning bush. Yeah. Uh, it, you're going to hear Pharaoh say, you know, who is this God that I should obey him? I don't know him. And so God says, all right, I'm going to show you all these plagues. Mm. And over and over, there's this refrain so that you will know that I am the Lord, your God, so that Israel will know that Egypt will know that the whole world will know that I am the Lord who brought you up out of that. You're going to see themes well, we could go on all, all day. You're, you're going to see, you're going to notice that God rescues and mm. saves the layout of the book. He wants to make it really, really clear 
that God rescues and saves and then calls his people to obedience. Mm. Yeah, then calls and then lays yeah. down the law, right? So that there's this idea that salvation in the New Testament is by grace through faith. Salvation in the Old Testament is by works. That's just simply not true. In fact, I, I quoted Christopher Wright um, yesterday where, where he said the law was given to people whom God had already redeemed. Grace comes before the law. There are 18 chapters of salvation before we get to Sinai and the Ten Commandments. And he goes on to say, I stress this idea that in the Old Testament, salvation was by obeying the law, whereas in, in the New Testament, it is by grace. That is a terrible distortion mm. of Scripture. Yeah. This is a book, when we cross the Red Sea, I mean, the New Testament's going to pick up on that and go, the, the Israel was baptized. Mm. And so Paul's going to use this imagery in 1 Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians 10, where he's going to use this imagery of like this is this is where we even get the idea of Christian baptism. Mm. Uh, you're going to see the the similarities in the life of Jesus as the new and better Moses who takes his people out. I mean, Jesus goes out into the wilderness for 40 days. Israel was out in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus is tempted in the same way that Israel, but Jesus is obedient. Israel wasn't. It's over and yeah. over again. So I think this is a really fun, uh, interesting, uh, just such a helpful book to start a lot of people into thinking about biblical theology because, again, it's it's just about everywhere you go you're going to see that. In fact, let me say this, Stephen. The way we're going to preach through this is, is unlike we do a lot. We, we could spend five years in Exodus. We're not going to. Mm -hmm. We're going to spend about 30 weeks or so in Exodus. And part of that is because what we want to try and do, I really want people to see the biblical theology within Exodus that sort of helps them read their New Testament and see it through different eyes. I think that the time spent there is is really key because you're right. If we spent five years there, it, we would get caught in the weeds a little mm -hmm. bit of all the details of the history. And um, right. two things that pop out, what you're just saying um, that are, are really key, I think. One, I love the idea of how biblical theology equips us to to not see the Old Testament and New Testament as competing yeah. kind of things. I mean, the, the fact that there's these these redemption themes, uh, salvation themes, even just the order of salvation as far as salvation first followed by the law, as you were mentioning, that's so powerful. Oh, it is. I mean, when it comes yeah. to thinking about, um, I think people will tend to, to kind of broad brush paint the Old Testament um, in these ways. Yeah. And armed with biblical theology, we can kind of see through that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, what you brought up that is is incredibly important, this is kind of actually brings up to my next question. Um, the Bible is about God. Mm. Yeah, that's it's, right. It's about Jesus. Yeah. And, and anytime we start to get into, and, and I do it and you do it, we all, when we read this great sweeping narrative book and get caught up in the story and we start thinking about, I'm a character in this story. Mm -hmm. And as we realize um, through, again, with the tools of biblical theology that ultimately when we read Exodus, we're actually looking at the character of God yeah. and how he responds to his people, yeah. uh, not how, how I fit into the story per se. I mean, we're just characters in God's story mm -hmm. in a way. And so um, just thinking about that a little bit, um, you mentioned this past Sunday, even this trap that we can fall into yeah. in modern times of falling into egotistical reading. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a good warning again, cause we get swept up sometimes yeah. and start thinking about ourselves in the narrative. So 
Um, talk a little bit more about that. How do we exercise caution when reading ourselves into a narrative like Exodus? Yeah, I really do think it's so, it's, it's natural, almost programmed to yeah. read like this. I mean, if I read Harry Potter, mm-hmm. Yep. What am I doing? I'm not. I, I hope I'm not relating to Voldemort, right? I'm. <laughs> I'm relating to, to Harry right. or to to Ron or Hermione, like these these. Th- so so I put myself in their shoes, and oh, I feel courageous and all that. For sure. Yeah. And that's a really natural, I think, almost taught way for us to interact with things that we read. So we almost have to deprogram ourselves, and when we go into it, going, okay, wait. You know, time out. I'm not Jesus, right? I'm not. I'm not God. I'm probably not the main character. I think you know Matt Chandler made famous. You're not. You're not David. Right. You're, you're kind of the shaking Israelite in the background, that kind of thing. That's a really helpful thing for us to realize. We are not the point of Scripture. And let's just say it this way: If I read Exodus as being a story of Moses and his exploits and the mm. great thing, I'll miss it. Mm. Right. I have to see that the main character here is God. The, the movement behind all of this is God and his grace and his desire. And he wants to be known and he's a deliverer and all the things it's telling me about the character of God. If I don't start there and I almost have to like screw my mind on correctly every time I go to it. Okay. What does this tell me about God? And so I'd encourage people as they read mm. it. Just stop yourself. Stop yourself and go, okay, what every time, what does this tell me about the character of God? How might this foreshadow Jesus? What are what are some what are some ways I'm what am I being shown about who God is for his people, who who God is relating to the world? All those kinds of questions that put God put God at the center of your questions. Because think about it. I mean, Stephen, you and I have We've all been in these these Bible study groups who sit down and go, what did it mean to me? Yeah, yeah. Right, what, what, did, how, <laughs> totally, what struck yeah. you about this passage? Yeah. And, you know, I get it. People, yeah. people are longing for application. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think, you know, it's like Steve. When Steve is counseling people, the greatest application is let's start with God and his greatness mm. before we get to you and your need. Mm. If I understand and I can see God through that lens, like, man, look at the God that I serve. So, so now I can look and go, so God is able to care for me in my unemployment. God is able to care for me in my COVID-19. Yeah. God is able to care. I mean, I, I see this powerful, powerful God who loves his people, who just radically generous and gracious toward his people. Well, now that that gives me all kinds of personal application. But if I start with, hey, Moses was good here, I should be like Moses. As I said in, in the sermon yesterday, what it'll do is I think that kind of reading either leads to this great pride because I feel like, hey, I'm doing pretty good or it leads to terrible despair because yeah. I keep adding to the list of things I'm supposed to be like and do rather right. than looking and saying, look who God is, look at what this tells me about Jesus and his sacrifice for me and and reveling in that. And God really provides some breadcrumbs in the way too because as we read scripture, we realize that these great characters are also flawed. That's right. So it's like, even if you go down that road and say, yeah. I wanna be just like Moses, ultimately yeah. uh, that's not gonna work out well totally. either. Um, I, I love that. The application has to come from a place of objective truth. Right. And that objective truth being who is God? What is his character like? Yeah. He is immutable. He's unchanging. He's always been this way. And so if that's the case, then I can now take what I know about 
who God is, how he started to reveal himself to me and say, all right, how does that work for me in this context? Not to read myself into scripture, but to apply it uh, from, from a place of truth. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, if, if we see it as we've titled this, the story of salvation and how God moves to save his people, it gives us a real, just, just gives the depth of, of meaning that I don't think we can get if there's, if I'm at the center of the story. For sure. Yeah. That's great. Well, I'm excited about this and um, Photo Church, I hope you are too. Um, we, we love to just encourage you to stick with us during the sermon series. It's going to be a great series and uh, I know that God is going to use it to um, teach, us, teach us things, help us with mm-hmm. uh, things that are applicable in our lives, but also teach us who God is and his great story of salvation. Um, you can find our first sermon, if you missed it, on Exodus at foothill.church slash sermons. And again, just encourage you guys to be uh, walking along with us as we uh, walk through Exodus together. Um, Crystal says we close up. I'm just curious, what have you been um, up to lately as far as just reading or resources? Yeah. Anything you want to point our congregation to? Uh, I'm actually reading a great book called In Search of the Common Good by Jake Medor. I, I quoted him, uh, I think it was last week. Um, it's, just a, it's just a really helpful kind of like looking at, hey, where are we as a culture, especially in America? Mm. And then um, kind of like, how can we be faithful in the midst of that? How can we be a faithful witness? Why is the Christian life the good life? Mm. Um, that, uh, that, you know, versus, versus the narrative, the culture and, and how we've even bought into the, the cultural lie that, you know, here is, here is the good life. Here's, here's what you should be pursuing. So that's been, it's, it's a little bit heady, um, but it's, but, but very, very good. He's a, he's a really, really bright guy and, and has helped me think through some things. Um, and I just, just picked up a book. I don't know how helpful it is the congregation, but I, I just picked up a book called Pastors and Their Critics, mm. <laughs> A Guide to Coping with Criticism in Ministry. So All right. um, that's that's just good for me to, to have. You I'm never like, experienced that criticism, though. No. So, <laughs> so I don't know why you're reading that. Yeah. So pick that up and we'll, we'll see how that goes. That's cool. So That's great. Well, thanks for those resources. And um, Chris, thanks for your time today, as yeah. always. Uh, look forward to marching ahead in Exodus with you. And um, Little Church, just encourage you guys to uh, hang with us as we walk through some um, great themes in Scripture. All right, well, we're out of time, but thanks for joining us for our podcast footnotes. Be sure to subscribe, and we'd also appreciate you sharing this resource with others and even leaving us a favorable review if you feel so inclined. So until next time, Foothill, peace be with you. I'm literally having to think about these, like, why are they funny?